In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Alright, so... Uh, Tomorrow is Passion Sunday, so this is uh, the Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were to take place in two days' time, so the chief priests and the scribes were seeking a way to arrest him by treachery and put him to death. They said, Not during the festival, for fear that there may be a riot among the people. When he was in Bethany, reclining at table in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of perfumed oil, costly, genuine spikenard. She broke the alabaster jar and poured it on his head. There were some who were indignant. Why has there been this waste of perfumed oil? It could have been sold for more than 300 days' wages and the money given to the poor. They were infuriated with her. Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you make trouble for her? She has done a good thing for me. The poor you will always have with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anticipated anointing my body for burial. Amen, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed to the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went off to the chief priests to hand him over to them. When they heard him, they were pleased and promised to pay him money. Then he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you, carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples then went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclined at table and were eating, Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him one by one, Surely it is not I. He said to them, One of the twelve, the one who dips with me into the dish, for the Son of Man indeed goes, as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had been never born, if he had never been born. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus said to them, All of you will have all of you will have your faith shaken, for it is written, 
I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be dispersed. But after I have been raised up, I shall go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all should have their faith shaken, mine will not be. Then Jesus said to him, Amen, I say to you, this very night before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he vehemently replied, Even though I should have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all spoke similarly. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be troubled and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and keep watch. He advanced a little and fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass by him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Take this cup away from me, but not what I will, but what you will. When he returned, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Withdrawing again, he prayed, saying the same thing. Then he returned once more and found them asleep, for they could not keep their eyes open and did not know what to answer him. He returned a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinners. Get up. Let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. Then, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs who had come from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. His betrayer had arranged a signal with them, saying, The man I shall kiss is the one. Arrest him and lead him away securely. He came and immediately went over to him and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. At this they laid hands on him and arrested him. One of the bystanders drew his sword, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his ear. Jesus said to them in reply, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to seize me? Day after day I was with you, teaching in the temple area, yet you did not arrest me, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. Now a young man followed him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth about his body. They seized him, but he left the cloth behind and ran off naked. They led Jesus away to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Peter followed him at a distance into the high priest's courtyard and was seated with the guards, warming himself at the fire. The chief priests and the entire Sanhedrin kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus in order to put him to death, but they found none. Many gave false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. Some took the stand and testified falsely against him, alleging, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another not made with hands. Even so, their testimony did not agree. The high priest rose before the assembly and questioned Jesus, saying, Have you no answer? What are these men testifying against you? But he was silent and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Then Jesus answered, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. At that, the high priest tore his garments and said, 
What further need have we of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as deserving to die. Some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him and struck him and said to him, Prophesy. And the guards greeted him with blows. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the high priest's maids came along. Seeing Peter warming himself, she looked intently at him and said, You too were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. So he went out into the outer court. Then the cock crowed. The maid saw him and began to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. Once again he denied it. A little later the bystanders said to Peter once more, Surely you are one of them, for you too are a Galilean. He began to curse and to swear, I do not know this man about whom you are talking. And immediately a cock crowed a second time. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. He broke down and wept. As soon as morning came, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes, that is, the whole Sanhedrin, held a council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. The chief priests accused him of many things. Again, Pilate questioned him, Have you no answer? See how many things they accuse you of. Jesus gave him no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now on the occasion of the feast, he used to release to them one prisoner whom they requested. A man called Barabbas was then in prison, along with the rebels who had committed murder in a rebellion. The crowd came forward and began to ask him to do for them as he was accustomed. Pilate answered, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate again said to them in reply, Then what do you want me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted again, Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? They only shouted the louder, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and after he had Jesus scourged, handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the praetorium, and assembled the whole cohort. They clothed him in purple, and weaving a crown of thorns, placed it on him. They began to salute him with, Hail, King of the Jews, and kept striking his head with a reed and spitting upon him. They knelt before him in homage, and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, dressed him in his own clothes, and led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service a passerby, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. They brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated, place of the skull. They gave him wine, drugged with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him, and divided his garments by casting lots for them, to see what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the chart against him read the king of the Jews with him they recruit with him they crucified two revolutionaries one on his right and one on his left those passing by reviled him shaking their heads and saying aha you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days save yourself by coming down from the cross 
Likewise, the chief priests with the scribes mocked him among themselves and said, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also kept abusing him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, Look, he is calling Elijah. One of them ran, soaked a sponge with wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. The veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion, who stood facing him, saw how he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of the younger James and of Joseph, and Salome. These women had followed him when he was in Galilee and ministered to him. There were also many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When it was already evening, since it was the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a distinguished member of the council, who was himself awaiting the kingdom of God, came and courageously went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was amazed that he was already dead. He summoned the centurion and asked if Jesus had already died. And when he learned of it from the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. Having bought a linen cloth, he took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, watched where he was laid. And that's the gospel reading for tomorrow. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I, I have a bunch of questions, but I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys for your comments or whatever. Well, I just read a lot, and like I could, it's, you know, I could, I, I, what I would do is I'd, I'd like go through each thing and, and everything I was thinking when I, that reminded me of when I was reading, um, but I, that's going to take a while, so I don't know if you want to go first. <laughs> okay. All I right, think pretty... the uh, person running away, that's a reference to uh, Mark. Mm -hmm. I think Mark is the uh, person in the shorts or the loincloth, and uh, I, I think that's pretty definite that um, that without mentioning his name, mentioning himself by name, he's the uh, person who was around and gets uh, runs off mm -hmm. after having that loincloth uh, torn away. Yeah, I've heard that. So that, that, that. That was one of my questions, because I have these, as I'm hearing the, the, the gospel message, I have questions about it, and, and, and how was that set up? Was there a person there in the loincloth? Were they, like, tr attempting to seize him, saying that he was with Jesus or what? And then, you know, this loincloth gets ripped off and he runs away naked, and that kind of shocks you, saying, well, I, I, I never saw that. Uh, well, I heard um, Bishop Robert Barron talk about this as, like, um, he interpreted it kind of symbolically, saying that um, that, that that character kind of represents uh, every baptized Christian, and the, and the loincloth is, like, you know, uh, uh, 
I guess, what we clothe ourselves with when we are baptized, but then everyone was running away from Jesus, and the guy ran away, you know, pretty much um, uh, uh, in the same way that, you know, Peter denounced Jesus, this guy ran away, and, and, and he even left his loincloths, and he ran back naked, I think, so he tried to interpret it as, like, a, a symbol of, um, you know, people, uh, you know, I guess you know, t- turning or, like abandoning you know, him, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, but um, but I, I, I'm not. I mean, I don't. I, I thought it was an interesting interpretation, but um, but I've also heard the thing about it being Mark. Okay, yeah, and, and that's what I, uh, it being Mark, and I'm surprised that that he would be, you know, just in a loincloth, and uh, you know, unless that was like their PJs of the day, and. Uh, you know, he, uh, he, he ran from that, so. Is, is that your take on it, too, John? Because Keith, you um, seem to be in agreement that it very well could have been Mark. And, and, and how did they rationalize that? How, how would they say that? The uh, Mark wasn't one of the apostles, so I'm not even sure how uh, he must have been part of the uh, part of the crowd that approached them, Jesus and the eleven. Uh, 11 other apostles, with the exception of Judas, so, uh, because it was very, uh, you know, it was like, um, it was, you know, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning, it was very early in the morning, I'm not sure of the exact time, but uh, uh, it's kind of, um, it's almost like a, uh, it's kind of like a, um, an historical uh, exaggeration that he puts himself there and uh, sort of putting himself in the story when um, actually he uh, was uh, just hearing about, you know, writing the gospel and hearing the uh, story and not actually being there. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I, was, I'm, I just went back to um, in the part you know, before this where they... Uh, where Jesus is getting ready to celebrate the Passover with everyone. Uh, I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, he kind of tells him this, like, kind of like, uh, weird thing. He's like, you know, go find this guy. He'll be he'll be carrying a thing of water, then follow him, then ask the guy in the house that he goes into, you know. And, and, and I, uh, mine, when I used to, like, um, meditate on, um, on the mysteries, I always, uh, I, I, like, Paired that like you know it says um the guy you'll meet a man carrying a jar of water and I always think of like I used to think of um you know how like Jesus turned water into wine at the uh, at the wedding at Cana and then and you know then there's like in this there's the the water that they follow and then at the Passover it's like the the wine of the uh, you know blood of the covenant and so I thought about that um, but um. But I heard, uh, you know, on Catholic Answers, someone asked about this, and they said that um, uh, they think that the reason why Jesus said that roundabout, like, kind of coded thing was because he already knew Judas was going to betray him, and had he told them straight up where the Passover, where he was going to celebrate the Passover, Judas would have told the, the guys, uh, you know, where it was, and they would arrest him before that, and, and you know, uh, and so he, that's why it was like a cryptic thing. And that's why it was after the Passover that, uh, like, you know, I guess after they celebrated the Passover and they're going to the Mount of Olives, uh, or maybe or maybe 
Judas told them, he goes to the Mount of Olives all the time. We're going to be going there afterwards. I don't know. But, um, you yeah. know. That, that's, that, that, that's interesting that uh, uh, God, Jesus knows his betrayer, and so he's cryptic with the message, so it follows according to, 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 to what God wants. That It's very, very, very real that Judas could have tipped them that, okay, this is where the Passover meal is going to take place, and they could have just swarmed that place and busted it up, but he wanted to make sure that the Passover was complete and that that was the, I guess, transformation from the Old Testament to the New Testament, uh, you know, with the Passover meal, and, 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 then, uh, and then got them in the garden like that. Um, I, 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 another question before that, the alabaster jar, that mm-hmm. rich oils. And I think the oils, that was a, a, to denote, like, the, the burial oils and stuff that they would wrap people, they, they'd oil them down and wrap them in linen. But what, did, what was Jesus' rationale for saying, leave her alone because you know Judas wanted it sold because he was like part of the treasury and he was stealing money from the treasury anyway and but, but, but Jesus said look leave her alone you know what and, and what was his rationale for 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 saying that like what what yeah so he said that um, you know uh, she has anticipated anointing my body for burial but more, more importantly he says you know like uh, that you'll always have the Poor with you, and you can help the poor whenever you want, um, but you won't always have me with you. And so that's like uh, uh, she was doing a, a good thing for uh, for, for for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she 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 was she was she was part of the uh, I guess tapestry you could say or, or, or uh, also imagine like you're about to be, be crucified and you know and you're and 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 you're getting ready for it and so you know it's difficult for you and then. Uh, someone who loves you comes up and, and like you know, uh, you know, does something to both show that they love you and also that they know you have to do it, you know, or in some ways. And so it's like I could imagine that if you were that Jesus was probably like it was comforting to him to have this woman, you know, yes. you know, uh, I guess you know, re, uh, do something like that. Yes, yes, it, it it would be, and 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 that's that that's a very nice thing, and and. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it was very comforting. Yeah. And that's very soothing for somebody to, to, to have that done saying, hey, look, we know this is going to be very difficult. So here you go. And, you know, the hard liners taking it well, you, you know, that, that could be shown because that was showing like their own selfish wants and stuff. Just just thinking about how they could get more money in the treasury so, so they would take it anywhere. But, but Jesus says. And I also heard. Um... Uh, I think Bishop Rob Barron uh, saying how you know so the the perfume was extremely expensive and stuff and so yeah. she, and she poured it out over him and it was also like from the symbolic uh, stuff of like in the way that Jesus was going to pour out his life for everyone she she was you know trying to do the same you know for for him in, in that way of being like you know whatever I have yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's yours mm-hmm. yeah 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 and that's very uplifting. To hear how you 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 explain that, yeah, because because in his in his you know these great a- agonizing hours that are that are building up to the crucifixion, that that's extremely difficult. You know, it, it's like somebody you know knows that they're going to have to go through a trial, and the anticipation leading up to that is like you just want to get through it, what whatever it is, whether bad, good, ugly, whatever, and and and. 
that's very difficult. And, uh, another thing that's interesting is when, you know, Peter uh, is like, oh, you know, I'll never deny you, even though I have to die with you. And, and uh, I think it's interesting because I think, you know, it's like we're all just alive by the grace of God and like so much of basically everything that we experience, I would say is, 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 you know, God's grace in some mm. way. And so if God takes away, uh, you know, the, the grace that would enable, uh, Peter to do that, like he wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think he would be able to do it by like, you know, without that. And, and, uh, you know, and then, uh, kind of related to that is I, the whole agony in the garden part, um, you know, there's a part in one of the uh, Our Father translations where he's where instead of you know, um, it's it doesn't say actually I don't think you know do not lead us into temptation or lead us not into temptation but it's something like um, uh, do not subject us to hard testing, and I sometimes pray that version that our father uh, saying, you know, do not subject us to hard testing because that's specifically what Jesus says at the, um, he says, uh, you know, pray that you may not undergo the test. And then he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I frequently feel like, uh, here on earth that like the, the, the flesh, you know, our physical bodies that, we're under, I really do think this, that like there is like invisible beings that have dominion over the physical realm that we're in, including, and, and, uh, and so, yeah, our flesh is weak. It's easy. It's easily manipulated. And if, and if like, you know, our, our physical being is being manipulated, then, you know, the, uh, I actually, I have a lot of difficulty with this, um, where, I don't like to like force myself to do things because I just feel like it's a bad habit. Like if I'm, I, I don't know. But at the same time, I also know like I can't trust my physical senses because they can be like manipulated and stuff. So I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, this version doesn't have a lot of dialogue with the, uh, between Jesus, uh, there there is the the um, the high priest. They they seem to get he seems to get to the point right away about that, and then there's not a lot of dialogue for with him and uh, Pontius Pilate. And now uh, previous uh, discussion off the uh, tape here um, that was done to uh, I think to uh, for the Romans so that they wouldn't. Um, Think that the author was criticizing um, Pilate for being um, just for being, um, you know, uh, showing him to be a weak person because it looks like he's pretty decisive as to uh, how he acted in this version. Well, I mean, it to, does uh, say that you know the crowd swayed him, yeah, so he was, yeah, uh, but kind of before getting to that, the um, when when Jesus is led to um. Like the, uh, as soon as they arrest him and they try to like have charges against him, uh, you know it's weird because it says that they're like none of their testimony matched, but then they like say things that you know it's like a variation of what Jesus said, but they don't understand it, and 
But um, what I was thinking about is like, you know, and eventually the chief priest says, okay, we got him for blasphemy because he said he's, because he's, he's saying that he is the son of man um, or, or the son of God. And that, uh, but, Up to um, that point, it was all in conflict. And he, he gave, because he had to go through with the sacrifice, according to the will of the Father, he had to uh, provide something that, um, that would uh, you know, sway them to, to bring them to Pilate. Well, uh, I'm curious, though, like, um, it's like, what do you think that the, 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 the priests and the elders, like, you know, what, what was their actual beef with Jesus? Like, it looks like they were just trying to come up with a reason to kill him, and, but, like, what is the actual reason? Oh, I, I, I think about that all the time, and I think it, was, it, it was, had to do with the power structure. Now, who, do we know who the chief priest was at the time? Yeah, I think it was one of the readings, I think, in a, in a different gospel. I think it's like Caiaphas. Caiaphas, mm -hmm. okay. And, and I wasn't sure if he was the chief yep. priest or it was his, his son or, or whoever. But uh, people describe Caiaphas as like the first mafia don. Like the Jews before the uh, I think I, I don't like I, you, I, you don't like that analogy no because I I don't know if there's evidence for that but um well, I, well he was playing in he had everybody thought that the Romans just did whatever they did wanted to do and run roughshod but Caiaphas realized that it's like hey the only thing Pontius Pilate wanted in the senators was peace especially when Caesar would visit okay. they didn't they, they didn't want this rioting with the Jews so Caiaphas would go in and say, look, I could keep my people peaceful and things when Caesar comes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. That's yeah, yeah, and and that was like, he was like almost like blackmailing uh, the, the senators there, like, like Pontius Pilate and stuff, saying, you know, he'd come in and everybody knows that the Romans had all the power, but the Jews lived there and, the, you know, the, the, they, they wanted peace. So Caiaphas would go, okay, what are you going to do for us to keep the peace? So he was like, uh, you know, wanting to make a deal that, you know, the Romans just didn't have absolute power because, you know. Well, uh, and I think, you know, so related to that, because um, that's in the gospel reading where, you know, Caiaphas says that it'd be better to kill one guy than have the Romans come in and, yeah. and so, so. Uh, but but even related to that thought process, it's like uh, as a priest, you know, he's supposed to uh, you know consult with God on stuff, you know, and like and, and pray about. It. So I'm curious if uh, it, you know, there's two there's two possibilities. Either one, he had been so corrupted by the world and power and stuff that he actually didn't even believe in God anymore, and he was just focused on how to manipulate stuff and and. And, and and the other one is that he just didn't believe Jesus at all, and and, and so it's like the the real evil one would be if he was like just a money grubbing or you know power hungry uh, uh, person and totally cynical, and and that's the reason he had Jesus killed. But if if but but if the reason he had Jesus killed was because he tr like truly didn't think he was uh, like the Messiah, uh, that that's uh, you know. I'm, I'm, I, only God knows the heart of people and stuff. So, because it is possible, it's possible that he just, for some reason, was unable to recognize that you know he, that Jesus was performing these miracles, that he was you know 
uh, giving people tough love, you know, saying things that were true, but that they didn't like to hear and stuff like that. Um, and so, like, I'm curious. I, I, I guess only God knows what was actually the the motive of Caiaphas, but but I like to think that he just didn't know that that you know he uh, that for some reason he was prevented from recognizing you know uh, uh, the holiness of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, I, and and that's that that's the way I viewed it. Whenever I watched any of these films, that they wouldn't even allow themselves. It's, it's like they had blinders on, and it's like, look. We're, we're, we're not going to recognize this at all. This, this because, again, their mindset is, you know, the, the Son of God, he's, he, he, he's going to take us away from this military rule and, like, overthrow the Romans, and where Jesus came to love, and he was very humble, and he said, love one another. And I think that they just couldn't, they just couldn't process it. And, you know, like, like you say, you don't know what's on their hearts, but... Just, just on the face, it would seem they just were never going to get it. They, 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 they just, or, or they, they, they were like almost like in denial. Like, but where if they would have thought about it and said, "Hey, this could very well be true," and you know, let you know, let's not pick on him. Let's, let's, let's let him, uh, you know, continue to preach. But then that was, you know, what I look at is more or less like upsetting the power court, saying. You know this this one guy, he's gaining you know favor with the people, and he's and he's upsetting the order that they established. Yeah, one of my uh, one of the things that like my preference for how to deal with stuff just in general is usually I like kind of like wait, and it's like a long waiting thing, and because it's like rather than me doing something, I'll just wait and see what happens, and either and either something will happen or or. I'll end up doing something. It's like, and so, yeah. I, I, I'm always curious of what would happen if they hadn't, uh, you know, pursued this this plan of trying to capture Jesus and and execute him and stuff. It's like, what would happen if he had if he had just you know continued uh, his ministry? Right, right. But uh, it's also kind of you can. From like the motive perspective of stuff, it's like, I guess uh, there's like previous parts of the gospel where Jesus is talking to the chief or the priests and the and the elders, and he's like trying to con- convince them that you know he is who he says he is, and to and there's like he says you know if you if you don't believe me and what I'm saying, fine, don't believe me, believe the works that I'm doing, and and, uh, and what I, you know, why didn't they do that? Because uh, that's a good I don't know, that's a good argument. Um, and and wasn't it Caiaphas that was like leading the band into the garden to capture Jesus? I don't know if he was, or, there. or maybe I, he stayed back in the temple and they sent the others. Yeah, probably. But if you want to talk about that part, where the, you know there's that thing in here about the someone cut off the high priest's servant's ear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Jesus said, stop, and he actually put the ear back on. Well, that's in a different gospel. This one just has the ear being cut off, but another gospel has that, that Jesus then healed, healed the person. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I guess I relate that. The thing about it, it's like the, the, that they, I guess they, they couldn't hear. You know, it's like, uh, like in some of the cases, you know, where you have to be like humble to, uh, 
to accept the, the truth about stuff, particularly like, you know, the, the bad news before the good news, the bad news that we, you know, we're sinners and stuff. It's like uh, some people, when they hear that, it, it's like they're, it, 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 the act of doing that is like cutting off their ear. It's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta be real careful about how you, how you do it in order to like get through people's defenses. Yeah. And I think of the, uh, the crucifixion too as being very cruel. You know, there, there, there was really not evidence that, you know, he, he had done anything wrong. You know, it's just that he was, you know, preaching and, 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 and that was that, but they were determined to kill him. And, and like they came up to the, you know, that morning up on the Golgotha to make sure, you know, it, it was a done deal. And, uh. It was just, it was, it was just very ugly. It was just a, a very ugly thing. That's pretty good. Uh, that's pretty good. Big discrepancy. The uh, the version, this version, how uh, both uh, both thieves, both other uh, criminals, uh, both were uh, upset with uh, him, as opposed to one being bad and one being good. You know, that's the version for Friday, or at least for. Mm -hmm. I mean. But that's a, I wonder what Jimmy Aiken has to say or would have to say about that, where both uh, thieves, mm -hmm. because um, their forgiveness of the, uh, the good thief, um, being, you know, saying that, that he would be in uh, heaven mm -hmm. with him, that was, that's viewed as being one of the first um, confession. So, you know, this is an approved uh, gospel. And that, that to me is a pretty significant... Um, difference between um, this gospel and maybe the other three. I, I don't know exactly. But this, you know, this specific mention of uh, both these were, were, were uh, you know, were, were, were taunting him. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's interesting how that made it through in comparison to um, this gospel was first, first written down. So I guess it was kept for that reason, but um, you know that's that's a that's a significant part of the uh, reading of the Passion for most people. I think that uh, that forgiveness of the, uh, the so-called good thief. So I wonder what Jimmy Aiken would say about that. Well, I have heard it all. I, it, all it all depends on the version, I guess. And yeah, I mean, I have heard author. I have heard people ask about stuff similar to that, like. Uh, um, uh, well, uh, you know, I'll look it up. Sometimes they say that, you know, uh, things are just left out, and that's how they account for the differences. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, there's also no, there's no real mention of uh, the uh, Blessed Virgin Mary, right? Uh, you know, there, there's Mary Magdalene's mentioned, and then Mary, mother of uh, Joseph, J O S E S. Mm. Yeah, so, you're right. uh, that's kind of odd too. That um, that um, seems like uh, there's no specific mention of uh, Blessed Virgin Mary, you know, being present on the way up to uh, the hill, mm -hmm. and then at the foot of the uh, the cross, and then the exchange between John. You know, it just seems like. Um, yeah. Well, there are some discrepancies that uh, are. Uh, I don't know if that that one doesn't count as a discrepancy because that is something just being left out. That's right. like in, okay. in one of them.
but the version right on Good Friday, I mean, that's the mm -hmm. one that has a lot of these different different aspects and uh, mm -hmm. viewed as being the uh, having a lot of uh, important important um, you know aspects that um, that the church wants to uh, to bring out the. Uh, the uh, more of an exchange with the high priest, and, and 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 there was also the I think his name was Annas, mm -hmm. he was the father-in-law. Mm -hmm. In other words, Caiaphas was married to his daughter, and Annas was the one who um, I think he sort of confirmed the uh, recommendation about what they wanted done with him mm -hmm. after he saw Caiaphas and uh, heard heard about the uh, blasphemy. And, you know, was Annas was his father-in-law the chief priest before he was? Yeah, I think so. So he was a high priest emeritus, I think. Okay. Say it that way. And and he was like he he was like uh, down with it. He he, he like. Yeah. yeah I, yes, and then um. And then the uh, more of an exchange with uh, more exchanges with Pilate, and then the um. The dialogue at the foot of the cross. That's that's a very important aspect of. Uh, where the Blessed Virgin Mary is, is given over as a, a mother of, uh, you know, like a mystical mother for all, mm -hmm. all human beings, all believers. Um, but, um, you know, the Synoptic Gospels, they don't, they don't, they don't all match up exactly. There, there are things here, things there that don't, uh, don't exactly match up. And that's just part of, uh, that's based on the, uh, the perspective of the uh, author, what he, he, he felt was important to, to put in and what to emphasize. Um, but the omission of the, you know, the omission of the Blessed Virgin uh, reference to her and just, uh, so like from a Roman perspective, I, I, I guess, um, I don't know, maybe they, uh, Mark felt that it wouldn't be important to mention uh, her, her role. As much. It could also be that he just the sources that he was he was familiar with didn't know about because uh, I think that one's only in the Gospel of John and, and that and the Gospel of John has a lot of stuff that is it's just uh, yeah. different sources from. That's why I, I'm not sure what others say, but I I think that it uh, you know he he wrote this fourth gospel to sort of uh, to sort of uh, complement or give a uh, really mystical perspective on the uh, life of Jesus, you know, that not much is mentioned about yeah, well, the, uh, you know, there's not much mention really of the early part of, uh, you know, the focus really is on the uh, the lat latter part of his life. Yeah, because the so there, there is something in the, I think towards the end of the Gospel, John, it mentioned something about how uh, if everything about Jesus were written, it would fill all the books in all the world or something like that, and I right. think that that sentence uh, indicates that it was one of the, it was the last gospel written, or there were lots of other uh, gospel accounts already in circulation. So, so he uh, uh, I, I, he probably knew that when he was writing it, and for that reason, chose things that were maybe not in the other ones. Or yeah, at that council, they had to whittle it down to four gospels that were approved. There were other, there were probably uh, yeah, there were some. I don't, I don't even know the number nine, ten, twelve different. Uh, other well, there was a gospel of Thomas. A lot of people uh, thought that that was an imposter because there was some uh, some wording in there that just didn't seem to uh, match up too well with the uh, life of uh, Jesus. 
uh, getting back to this gospel, but uh, I think it's in all the other ones too, is, is this thing about Barabbas. And I think it's interesting because um, uh, that name Barabbas means uh, Bar Abbas, it means son of the father. And uh, and it's like Barabbas is like a was a rebel who committed murder in a rebellion, and I I, I don't know I think that's interesting. And he just happened to be very popular with the people. Yeah, well, seemed to be. Well, I don't know if, even about that, but it's interesting that uh, that the guy that they you know released instead of Jesus. Is 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 more like exactly what they're saying that Jesus is, or, or, or you know that like you know he he actually you know, committed murder and 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 yeah, they're, they're 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 equating similar punishments. Like you can see them crucifying Barabbas because he was a murderer, he's an insurrectionist, the harsh penalty. But it's like you know Christ really did none of that, but like they're they're giving him the same penalty. Yeah, and well, so why why give him that penalty? Yeah. So you're saying too, John? You think who was actually behind this was Caiaphas's father-in-law? He probably the, approved the decision. And his name was, was, was Annas. A N N. Okay. A N N A S, I believe. Because yeah, there had to be a power structure within the community that would approve that, because they they could all be swayed to do it or not do it, but there had to be somebody that was very adamant about doing it. Yeah. So. I'm sure that, uh, you know, since Archbishop uh, Chaput is still living in, in residence in Philadelphia, I'm sure that the uh, present Archbishop, um, that he goes over any anything major, he probably consults with, uh, you know, the Archbishop Chaput, and then, um, and then in a similar way, wherever there's, you know, even like in the case of the Pope, I think the uh, present Pope, um, from time to time, he also interacts with Pope Benedict XVI, just sort of uh, anything theological, especially because he's a, he's an expert uh, theologian. Um, you know the recent decision about the uh, about what the Church's stance was on marriage, you know, which originated in Germany too, up in northern Germany about whether or not the Church could uh, sanction or approve equivalence for um, you know same-sex marriage, uh, you know. That was, uh, you know, he uh, he reviewed that with uh, Pope Benedict XVI before coming out with his uh, the document that was under his signature. And this is a just a very quick, hard way to, to end somebody's life th through a crucifixion like that. And, and as you spoke before, what would have happened if? They would have thought about it for a while and said, well, you know, let's not crucify him or, or get that drastic and let him go. Uh, and, and his ministry kept going, you know, for another 10 years, another 20 years, another 25 years. At some point, then would they have eventually crucified him or would they have come around? Would they have overthrown him? You know, there, there could have been a whole bunch of different scenarios. You know, Jesus could have then died of old age at the age of, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I feel like the decision to, to, I guess, you know, have him executed, uh, I feel like they should have just, you know, whether they, you know, 
if you have faith in God, you know, you shouldn't, you know, you should let God fight your battles, not try to fight them for you. So if they thought, if they thought, um, uh, like, you know, so I, I feel like they're, they're, I don't know, but if, if they had faith and, and they didn't, and, and, and whether they believed Jesus at that time or not, but if they had faith and they just kind of waited, eventually they would come around, but it was kind of like a, it was, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say because I don't know. You never know what's going on. The other thing that's weird about all this is that you know before all this happens, Jesus says, you know, it, like you know, this is why he came. Like you know, and so so like somehow, this all fits into God's plan. You know, even though it's horrible. I guess in the Synoptic Gospels, they, they can trace, uh, you know, three years of time can be uh, delineated. And, uh, you know, he, starting off with the, his baptism, when, you know, the first, other than when he was 12, the first reference to Jesus is, is at the baptism by John the Baptist, and then, um, and then the, uh, the wedding feast at Cana. And those two are cited as, as two of the, lumin the first two luminous uh, mysteries uh, for his uh, adult life, his public life. And then within three years, the, uh, the gospel uh, teaching and the, his new uh, covenant teachings were all, all laid out. And so, um, and so then um, and during that, at the end of the third year, he, um, you know, the... Uh, the uh, penultimate uh, event was uh, a series of events was ready to take place. So I guess that was probably uh, that three-year plan was probably in place. And it, and it sounds like too that, that God wanted it done this way. Well, I don't think that. I like it, yeah. it's it's. I think it's God's permissive will. It's not. God's like you know, God allowed this to happen. Okay, think. yeah, God allowed it to happen. Yeah, He didn't want it to happen, but He allowed this way to unfold. What did you describe it as permissive? Yeah. Meaning what? I guess you know, God's Almighty, so anything that happens is you know, uh, and He can either actively will it to happen. Or he can, you know, I guess, allow it to happen, which is still an act of the will. It's choosing not not to intervene. Okay, right. Okay, but and and, but but, but I, I'm I'm led to believe that God really wants what's good for you and stuff, and He wouldn't want any anything bad. He He wouldn't want you to go go through a crucifixion and stuff like that. But He He could allow it to happen. allow it to happen. Yeah. Wow. It is surprising also that, uh, you know, Pilate had, had uh, authorized many uh, crucifixions. He also, he, I was surprised when I heard, I didn't, I never really heard it before, that he was surprised that the, uh, the death had already taken place, especially since the uh, he'd authorized a, a scourging, which was a big part of uh, 
you know, the uh, debilitated state, you know, on the way up to crucifixion, that was very difficult to endure. And so uh, he didn't seem to be following along with uh, the, uh, how the events were taking place. He seemed, and then he, was, he said he was surprised that uh, when the uh, just Bar Amarthia came to, to obtain the, uh, the remain and the body into, uh, for uh, burial. Um, so, uh, sorry, before we end, I wanted to, wanted to read, like, so when, G in this gospel reading has Jesus, uh, I think his last, his last words here is, um, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, uh, and that's from Psalm 21, actually, so I was going to read Psalm 21 because it's, it's, you know, related to it, so it goes, uh, O God, my God, look upon me. Why hast thou forsaken me? Far from my salvation are the words of my sins. O my God, I shall cry by day, and thou wilt not hear, and by night, and it shall not be reputed as folly in me. But thou dwellest in the holy place, the praise of Israel. In thee have our fathers hoped. They have hoped, and thou hast delivered them. They cried to thee, and they were saved. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, the reproach of men, and the outcast of the people. All that they saw me have all they that saw me have laughed me to scorn. They have spoken with the lips and wagged the head. He hoped in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him save him, seeing he delighteth in him. For thou art he that hast drawn me out of the womb, my hope from the breasts of my mother. I was cast upon thee from the womb. From my mother's womb, thou art my God. Depart not from me. For tribulation is very near, for there is none to help me. Many calves have surrounded me. The fat bulls have besieged me. They have opened their mouths against me as a lion ravening and roaring. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are scattered. My heart is become like wax, melting in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue hath cleaved to my jaws, and thou hast brought me down into the dust of death. For many dogs have encompassed me, the counsel of the malignant hath besieged me. They have dug my hands and feet, they have numbered all my bones, and they have looked and stared upon me. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they cast lots. But thou, O Lord, remove not thy help to a distance from me. Look towards my defense. Deliver, O God, my soul from the sword, my only one from the hand of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, and my lowness from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the church will I praise thee. Yet that fear the ye that fear the Lord praise him, all ye the seed of Jacob glorify him, that all the seed of Israel fear him, because he hath not slighted nor despised the supplication of the poor man, neither hath he turned away his face from me, and when I cried to him he heard me. With thee is my praise in a great church. I will pay my vows in the sight of them that fear him. The poor shall eat and shall be filled, and they shall praise the Lord that seek him. Their hearts shall live forever and ever. 
all the ends of the earth shall remember and shall be converted to the Lord, and all the kindreds of the Gentiles shall adore in his sight. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he shall have dominion over the nations. All the fat ones of the earth have eaten and have adored. All they that go down to the earth shall fall before him, and to him my soul shall live, and my seed shall serve him. There shall be declared to the Lord a generation to come, and the heavens shall hew, shall shew forth his justice to a people that shall be born, which the Lord hath made. Yeah. There are a bunch of things in that psalm that is like happened during the crucifixion or related to it. And that's a weird translation, but and, and, and there's so much in in, in, in this, the gospel message here to to as we discussed. So, so, so many different avenues that you, you, you could look to and interpret, hey, what's what, what's really going on here? But like you say, nobody but God knows what was really on the hearts of, of, of all these men that uh, were doing what they were doing. And um, women seem to have a very limited role, uh, aside from the Blessed Mother and Mary Magdalene, uh, that the women weren't too much involved with all the, the, the power that was going on at the time. Where today there's uh, there, there, there's more of a balance. So, yeah. so that psalm was written by David, right? He, he's, talking about, he's talking about his sinfulness and how bad he feels about his sin that he committed. So, But he's, uh, he's uh, prophes prophesying yeah. about what would happen to, uh, to uh, Christ. And the subtitle of the psalm is Unto the End for the Morning Protection, a psalm for David. Right. And I don't know how much thought people gave, too, at the time of the aftermath that, you know, you're crucifying somebody and there's going to be an aftermath to that, depending on what your role was with that. I don't know if they any anybody really gave it that much thought. It's just that they were focused on we're go, we're going to go through with this crucifixion, the powers that be, that was it. And uh, I, I don't know if they gave that much thought to you know the repercussions or or the aftermath of, of doing something like this. So. Yeah, it was rushed. I get they. They wanted to keep peace with the Romans, and the Romans wanted to uh, just give them allowances, but try to accommodate them where they could. I guess we have to wrap this up now, right? All and, right. Uh, yeah. Final thoughts, guys? Right. Not even time for that, I don't think. Yeah, we've got it's within one minute, minute to say a final thought. Well, there, there, there was a lot here, and, and again, we'll, we'll be looking forward to having Brother Burke back. Uh, All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, Lord, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.